You are listening to Word, a weekly word from the world's bestseller. Amichai Lau Lavi's New Bible Blog, a Jcast Network production. To subscribe to this blog, to read this blog, and to learn more about Amichai Lau Lavi, please visit amichai.me. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Here's the weekly word, another password to the riddles of our lives. This week's word is transgression, chatat. The weekly Torah text is Vaikra. Dee was molested by his older cousin, a teacher at his yeshiva, for over a decade before running away from home at age 18, breaking away from the Hasidic world and coming out. He started college, struggling with faith, diagnosed with PTSD, an activist in a growing movement that refuses to keep silent about sexual abuse. This month is in Israel to confront the cousin, who now lives in Jerusalem, and to press charges. Why? He's still angry and wants the man to be held responsible. It's not revenge, he tells me, over a beer in the center of the city. It's that he's a respected teacher and religious role model, and he's still doing it. The truth must be revealed. He needs to pay, he needs help, and he needs to stop. Dee's family, once supportive of his attempts to rehab his life, are now threatening to disown him again, threatened by his demand to go public and shame them. For Dee, they are taking his cousin, the famous teacher's side, over that of their own son. It's like the abuse all over again. He orders another beer. Should the transgression of leaders, religious leaders, be accounted for differently, more harshly, than those of so-called ordinary people? Dee's not the only one who thinks so. With public responsibility should come greater accountability. A public person, leader, cleric, celeb, carries our collective investment in the possible and in the good. When one of those elected or arisen mortals tarnish, blemish, fall, that fall is bigger, the price may be higher, because it carries so much of us, of our collective soul, and thus our rage and rightful righteous indignation. When these fallen, greater ones refuse to take responsibility for their shortcomings, a greater hole is dug in our hearts. Bigger role, greater hole. We know enough psychology today not to label all people as perverts, to understand that even the perpetrators were victims themselves, and so we are called to exercise pity along with stern judgment. And while there is compassion for all involved, there is, like these case, a fair demand for payback for atonement rituals, for public purging of the sins, for forgiveness, for healing. But there's not enough of that, and often lacking from religious leaders. I don't think it will be coming from the Vatican this week. Several of the cardinals assembled for the conclave have played considerable roles in silencing the church's voice against child-molesting clergy, never mind the rumors rising about the real reason for the Pope's resignation the damage to the church to plain pious people who've lost their faith in the leadership in God is huge. On more familiar turf, there are several rabbis and noted communal leaders in the Jewish world who have not stood up to take responsibility for weighty accusations of sexual misconduct and abuse. Despite allegations in actual court cases, so few rise to ask for forgiveness, raise hands up to heaven in real remorse. There are many victims, survivors, family and friends who are in real need for these words and gestures of atonement, for the shame and the repression to give way to honesty and recognition, maybe re- reconciliation, 
and the ability to move on. Personal stake in this. Back in my yeshiva high school days, there was a certain rabbi who would often invite me into his office for conversations. Those sometimes became playful wrestling. There was a lot of shoulder hugging and affection and the body search for the wearing of the ritual fringes, and I confess that at the time it didn't seem out of place, if somewhat uncomfortable. Maybe I'm repressing more? Only recently, when allegations came out in the media against this prominent modern Orthodox rabbi, did all these memories resurface, along with vague recollections of all those early puberty, confusion, and shame that was my lot in those years. I'm not seeking revenge. Unlike D, I don't feel that I've been hurt or damaged. But I get the rage of others who've been hurt and bravely stepped up, in this case and others. And I'm angered by the denial on the part of this rabbi and his colleagues attempting to hide the whole thing. I regret the lack of proper public ways to make amends, to come clean, to start again. Everybody deserves a second chance. And public rights can help. There used to be such public rituals precisely for this need. Earlier this week I read through the first few chapters of Leviticus, the third book of the Torah, which begins its rerun cycle this coming Shabbat. I scanned the recipes of sacrifices, trying to make sense of the system, to find metaphor and deeper meaning in this bygone technology. In Leviticus 4, I find the procedures for the soul that shall sin through ignorance, which includes rites for anointed leaders, the priests themselves, upon their falling from grace. Should a priest transgress, he will bring a bull to the threshold of the sacred tent, place his hands on the bull, slaughter it, dip finger in the blood, sprinkle seven times on the curtain that covers the sacred chamber, mark the four corners of the altar with the blood, pour the remaining blood at the foot of the altar, remove the fat, kidneys, and liver, burn the rest, including skin, bones, and dung, then watch the ashes being taken outside the camp and come clean. So what's the ritual today? How do we replace the smell of blood, the bull of public remorse, with some sort of meaningful ceremony of accountability and remorse? Trial? Press conference? Maybe just public confession as a start? Just this morning, the chief rabbinate of Israel announced a precedent. It will revoke the title of rabbi from this guy who was found guilty and publicly confessed and apologized for stealing Torah scrolls. It's a painful and important precedent. Can we expect the same for rabbis who've damaged not just holy objects and trust, but the members of their flock? I found most of Leviticus useless archaeology, relics only useful as reminders of the need for ritual that brings us closer to the reality of life and death. Can we activate the magic of atonement that worked for our ancients so long ago with some new compelling results? For my friend, D, and for the many others, for the tens of thousands of victims looking to roam this week, for all whose voice has been silenced, I hope we do, and soon. In the meanwhile, it is our duty to voice our outrage, not keep silent, name the shame, cut the bull that covers up the secret sacrifice of our intimate and sacred lives for peace. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>